0: Alright, but well, like I said, we are in Judges, and we're talking about Gideon, and the uh, book of Judges is just Israel more and more becoming like all the other nations around them, and they are uh, they're not doing a good job. They're, they shouldn't be the, like all the nations around them. They should be different. God created them and pulled them out of Egypt and, and gave them a law so they'd be different. And, um, and they aren't. So every once in a while, they chase after foreign gods, they, they worship idols, they mix in with all these other religions all around them, and then um, they become slaves to those other regions. Just like they became slaves in Egypt, but now they're in their own land being slaves. And this time they're slaves to the Midianites. This is in Judges chapter 6. And um, we're going to do things different, a little bit different today. Because this, is, this all plays out like just a big story. It's like watching a movie. It's, it's really, I know I've said before, you should read the book of Acts like it's an action movie. This whole section of, of Judges is like an action movie. And there are some little one-liners of some good um, wisdom in there. But mostly, it's just action, action, action. And as we read through the action, 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 I'm going to skip a whole bunch. I'm going to skip along. And I was praying this morning and just hoping that as we read through this and we think through it, that the Holy Spirit would show us just what's, what we each need to hear individually in it. And, and you, might not, you might not leave today and be like, oh, I need to go burn all my gold and kill some media nights. I hope that doesn't happen. Um, but don't, be, don't feel bad if you leave and you're like, now I, I don't I know what to do. Well, you know more about Gideon, and you know more about God, and that, that's enough. So Gideon is this guy, and he is threshing out his wheat. And when you thresh wheat, you go up on a hillside where there's always a breeze, and you smack the wheat, and then you... Shovel it, and you kind of lift it in the air with a fork, with a, like a pitchfork. And the husk blows off in the wind, and the seeds fall down. And so there you've got your wheat. Gideon is not up on a hillside. Every time the Israelites grow wheat, and the Midianites are looking over, and they're like, looks pretty ripe to me, let's go. And they come in with their armies, and they harvest all the wheat, and they steal it from Israel And then they go back to Midian and all the Israelites starve. So Gideon has somehow grown some wheat in secret and he is down in a wine press. So a wine press, you bring in all these heavy grapes, you smash them, you smash them, and everything goes down, down, down. And at the bottom, you've got your wine, right? So it's very much the opposite of threshing wheat where the chaff blows away and the seeds fall down. In a wine press, the chaff is up on top and the the thing that comes out that you keep is the wine down below. So you wouldn't do that in the wind, but he's doing that because he's hiding and he's trying to not get caught by the Midianites. In the midst of that hiding and that fearfulness, an angel appears to him. Now, There were some prophets off and on in the book of Judges. They don't even get names. The only prophet that gets a name is Deborah, right? We talked about her. Otherwise, like there's a prophet in here, he's not even big enough deal to get a name. He's just mentioned. So to see an angel is unexpected. It's different, right? So this is uh, Judges chapter 6, verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said... The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Some translations say, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, I'm hiding out in a basement threshing wheat. I am not a mighty warrior. Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord's with us, why then has all this happened to us? Because the angel says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon's like looking around I don't feel like the Lord's with me I don't feel like a mighty warrior look at everything that's going on please my Lord if the Lord's with us why has all this happened and where why where are all of his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us saying didn't the Lord bring us out of Egypt but now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian is this you don't come across these kind of people very often, but um, I have come across them that they are so angry at religion and they are so angry at God that when they find out you're a Christian, they tell you flat out, like, how can you be a Christian with all of this bad stuff happening in the world? How is God blessing anybody while there are people starving in Africa? Just real, very aggressive. And um, Gideon is one of those people. And he's not just saying it to some dude that's religious. An angel. (laughs) An angel has appeared to him and says, God is with you. And Gideon is so bold. Bold is a positive word. Gideon is so cynical and so skeptical and so... er, uh, What are you talking about? Where are all the miracles? Where are the miracles that my grandparents told me about? Haven't seen any of them. I thought we came out of Egypt. We're, now we're slaves in, in our own land. And um, that... I mean, we know a lot about Gideon's character already, right? He is down in a cellar, afraid and threshing wheat, so he's not going to stand up to anybody. He's not a very bold, brave guy. When an angel tells him truths from God, he argues back and questions him. Now, there's other places where people argued with an angel, right? Like Zechariah, he's making this offering, and an angel appears and says, you're going to have a son, and you're going to name him John, and he's going to be a Baptist, sort of. And Zechariah says, oh, how can I have a son? And Gabriel says, I stand in the presence of God. You're not going to talk for nine months. We're just zipping that lip right now. And that happens to him, right? When Abraham and Sarah, when um, God appears to Abraham and says, next time I come by here, you're going to be pregnant with the baby. Sarah's going to be pregnant with the baby. And she laughs. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha he's like, she's laughing. I'm the Lord. I'm telling you. He's correcting them. In this instance, this angel does not correct Gideon. Isn't that wild? Hasn't all this happened? The Lord turned to him. So Gideon questions. If God is doing this, why is all this happening? This is verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Isn't that awesome? I just, I, I, I love that because the angel's like, dude, you are feisty. You are arguing with an angel. In this little might of yours, why don't you go free Israel? If you're so tough to argue with an angel, go get your sword and go kick some Midian butt. Don't fight with me. Uh... So then there's this funny business of, oh, really? You're calling me? Gideon, he's like, I can't, I can't d- free Israel. I'm the, I'm the weakest dude out of my family. My family's the weakest clan out of my tribe. My tribe is the weakest tribe out of all of Israel. I'm weak, 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 weak. The Lord said to him, this is in uh, verse 16, I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. I will be with you. So this little bit sums up the whole experience, like the next five chapters, all of Gideon's life. Gideon questions it, and he's not sure. And God says, I will be with you, and you're going to do what I say you're going to do. Even though you are a total jerk, argumentative, rebellious doubter I'm going to be with you so then he says okay if you're for real don't leave until I go get a little offering to offer to you and then we'll, we'll settle this do not depart until I come and bring my present and set it before you so now just think through this conversation the angel said greetings mighty warrior the Lord's with you Gideon says, doesn't look like it. You're wrong. Angel says, use all that spunk to free Israel. Gideon says, I'm the weakest in Israel. I'm the weakest of my family. Angel says, God will be with you. Gideon says, okay, if this is all for real, stick around here and I'll go get an offering and I'll offer it to you. But this is not like a mighty... Heroic, like I don't want my kids to grow up and be like Gideon, right? Kids, if you ever see an angel, question it and argue with it. No. He goes and he gets the food. Now, this is not go to the fridge, get something, and bring it back. He would have to go get an animal, probably a goat or a sheep. He has to butcher it, he has to slaughter it and butcher it and bring the pieces. It says that he brought cakes of bread. And so these would be kind of like tortillas or pitas. So he's, he's taking grain. He's mixing it with water. He's baking it. This is like not whip up some chocolate chip cookies that you had in the fridge and serve them, right? This is going to take time. The angel waits for him all that time. He brings it out. He sits it, he, the angel says, sit there on that rock. Gideon sits it all on the rock, stands back, and the angel goes, boom, blows it all up with fire. It all disappears, and the angel disappears. Could have been lightning, could have been fire. Uh, we don't know, but that is a sign. Whoa, he really was an angel. He took the offering. None of the gods of the Midianites or the Canaanites operated like that. You had to start the fire. You had to, you know, do all the work and the killing and sacrificing. Only Yahweh, right? This is the same thing as Elijah. He sets out, douses the sacrifice with water a whole bunch, and then fire comes down. Boom. So now Gideon knows, right? He's not going to have any more doubts. He's going to be bold. No, not at all. So that night... The Lord comes to Gideon. And it's not an angel this time. There's no vision. And he says, Gideon, your dad has a whole bunch of idols set up that everybody in town worships. I want you to go and destroy all of them. Whoa. So like your dad is the head of the Hells Angels biker gang. This is a lot like what this is like. And I want you to take your dad's Harley... And just back your truck over it. And just mash it to bits and then push it down the hill. In front of everybody. Gideon's scared. The actual words are, this is in Judges 6.25. Take your father's bull, the second bull that's seven years old. Pull down the altar of Baal that your father has. Cut down the Asherah that is next to it. Build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold there. With stones laid in due order, take the second bull, offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you cut down. So he's got an altar. He's got this big wooden idol. And God says to Gideon, you chop up the wooden idol. You sacrifice your dad's bulls that he's been waiting to sacrifice to Asherah. And you sacrifice them to Yahweh on the fire of his idols. Bold, right? So Gideon took ten men of his servants and he did what the Lord Because it's going to be, I mean, we're killing two cows here, right? We're chopping up idols. This is not like easy. This is a big undertaking. And he did it at night. Well, long story short, everybody wakes up and there's this altar to Yahweh. Um, altars to Yahweh, so This is not a good example, but we'll just talk about it like this is the altar. Um, You couldn't cut any rocks because if you were going to cut rocks, that would be too tempting to cut them in the shape of something and make an idol out of it. So altars to Yahweh were just stacked rocks. There was no cutting involved. And, um, And so you would just have to piece that thing together and put it together and it would look like a mound. But they were good at it, and there were a lot of rocks around. So, um, so it's obviously an altar to Yahweh. It is not a cut-up and made altar to Baal anymore. The Asherah pole would be just this big, tall thing, and it's gone. right? You'd be able to see it from far away and know that you could worship the Baals there, and, and Ashtaroth and all, these, you know, all the gods of the Canaanites. Well, that thing's chopped down, and there's a big pile of wood ashes. Everybody knows where those wood ashes came from, right? So it they wake up in the morning, it's obvious, and it's controversy. But basically, they don't kill Gideon. Gideon thinks they're going to kill him, and they're all like, uh, they go to Gideon's dad who had all this set up, and Gideon says, or Gideon's dad says, "Look, if Baal is a real god, he can defend himself. We don't have to kill Gideon." So he's thinking. You know, Gideon did this bad thing, and Baal's going to get Gideon for it. He's going to curse him. He's going to, you know, Gideon's going to die somehow. And that'll show that Baal really is God. Or maybe he's starting to wonder, wow, Gideon did this. This is super bold. We we did tell him some of these stories because Gideon knows the stories because he talked back to the angel, right? He knows about what happened in Egypt, so maybe this is helping his dad come back, come back to Yahweh, because it could. Um, there is a a pamphlet by Keith Green that had a big impact on our family doing mission work, and it's ten reasons why you should go into the mission field, and it lists ten excuses that people give about why I shouldn't be a missionary. And then it gives the scripture as to why that's wrong. And one of them is, I need to stay home and witness to my family so they can be saved. And it basically says, your family will see your faith in action when you leave them to go follow Jesus. And so we read that, and we're like, whoa, that's intense. I'll tell you what, it did. Because there were people in our family, both sides of our family, that never went to church until the only way to find out about our mission work was to come to church. And so they would come to church to hear about what was happening. And um, so that has an impact. So sometimes this radical stuff, right? If Gideon would have been like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to make my dad mad. Well, maybe by him doing that and by making his dad mad, his dad is like, if Baal's a real God, he'll take care of Gideon himself. Well, nothing bad happened to Gideon. So, skip down to the end of chapter 6. This is where it starts getting... So that was all pre... How Gideon got his job, right? How he got his start. God starts bringing him together. He's like, okay, gather up, gather up an army. Get an army together. And so Gideon starts sounding the trumpet... He's like, we're going to go fight the Midianites. Come on, everybody. And they're all camping. And uh, they all come. He sends messengers throughout. They all come. And there's like 33,000 men that assemble to fight, which sounds great, but the other side has 130,000 men that they're going to have to fight. So the classic thing that everybody knows about Gideon is in Judges 6 from 36 to 40. So all these men come, and Gideon says, Okay, Lord, if you're really leading us, I'm going to lay out a wool fleece, a, a, the, a wool hide of a sheep. And when we wake up tomorrow morning, that needs to be soaking wet with dew, and all the ground around it needs to be dry. And everybody's here to see this. There's other people in, in his army that are watching this. So they all go to bed. They wake up in the morning. And he goes over to the fleece. And he picks it up. And it's sopping wet. And they wring it out. And there's just water all over. And they're like, whoa. God is with us. Not Gideon. He's like, okay, look. Okay, God, that's good. But that could have been a fluke. I mean, it could have been a big night of dew in that spot, right? Because dew is so... Locational. So tomorrow, when we wake up, make all the ground soaking wet with dew and make this fleece totally dry. Which he's just putting off a day, right? He's just putting off going into battle by another day. Oh, let's see. Let, let's just really make sure this is a thing. Um, but then it happens. The, the funny thing in Israel, dew is actually a, a bigger deal. We, you know how in the fall we have these really foggy days and it's just so wet outside in the morning because the temperature change is, is happening so much? They have a lot more dew in Israel to the point that that's how um, the grass that would grow, that you would feed your sheep, it doesn't rain, it only gets watered by dew. And from the temperature change so much. So, there is a bigger deal. Dew is a bigger deal in Israel than it is in southern Indiana. So they wake up, everything's wet, the fleece is dry, it's a miracle. Okay, God really is sending us. Here we go. So they get ready to go, and God says, Oh, you got too many people. Gideon's like, I got 32,000. Midianites have 130,000, and I have too many people. And God says, Here's what you're going to do. Uh, this is verse, chapter 7, verse 2. The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand. Otherwise, Israel will boast and say, My own hand has saved me. We can brag. Look at all the people we had fight. Look at, we beat the Midianites with uh, 32,000 to 130,000. We are so awesome. I mean, that would be impressive, right? That'd be like the aces beating UK. Like people would go nuts. Oh, wait, that happened. So God says, you got too many people. You're going to boast. So send home everybody. Whoever is afraid, whoever is trembling, go home. No judgment against you. But if you're afraid of this fight, go home. Can you imagine that? Like you guys all came, you all rallied. We've got too many. Anybody that's scared, go home. Twenty-two thousand leave. Two thirds, two thirds of the folks go home. I just, I love this because this is so counter to all, all of our culture, right? Our whole, I mean, imagine if, um, imagine if we had church on Sunday morning, and we were like, you know, everybody that would just rather be in bed. Just go home and go back to bed. And there's no judgment against you and God bless you. All right, right? It'd just be me and Jim. Imagine all the various outreaches, all the things we do. Well, two-thirds of the people go home. They have 10,000. God says, you still have too many. You have 10,000 men. And God is basically saying, Look, if you beat 130 Midianites with 10,000 men, that's going to be a long shot, but it's not going to be a miracle. You're going to brag about how awesome you are that you beat 130,000 men if you have 10,000. It has to be absolutely ludicrous. Miracle. And so he says they're going to go, Gideon, here's what you're going to do. Everybody's going to go down to the river and they're all going to get a drink of water. And I want you to watch. And some of those guys are going to be scooping water up out of the the river. And they're going to be looking around and they're going to drink it like this. And there's other guys that are from Boonville that are going to go down and get on their faces and stick their face right in the river and drink like a dog. And it actually says that. They're going to lap water. They're going to get on their hands and knees and they're going to lap water out of the river like a dog. And those are the guys I want in your army. Wow. Like you're thinking. Does he want everybody that's blind too? Like who else does he want? This is not the army here. So he gets down to 300 men. They go from 10,000 to 300. So there's 9,700 guys that are good, alert, We are ready to fight fighters. And there are 300 dudes that are just clueless and stick their face right in the river to drink like a dog or a camel or something. So he takes them, sends the other guys back. I love Judges chapter 7, verse 10. Well, verse 9. That same night, the Lord said, Arise, go down against the camp. I've given it into your hand. Yes, go take it. Verse 10. But if you're afraid, just go down with your, with your help, with Pura, your helper guy, your right hand man, and just sneak down there and listen. So go fight and take him. But if you're scared, just go sneak around and listen to their conversation. What do you think Gideon does? He goes down with his buddy and he sneaks around to listen because he's scared. He still is doubting. He's still worrying. He goes down and he hears some Midianites talking, and this guy has a he's telling his dream to this other buddy. This is down in verse 13, chapter 7, verse 13. When Gideon came, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade. He said, Behold, I dreamed a dream. There's a cake of barley bread, and it tumbled into the camp of Midian, and it hit a tent, and the whole tent turned upside down, and the tent lay flat. Now, a Loaf of barley bread is not like a loaf. Like when I was a kid and I read this, I pictured a, a, like a loaf, like Wonder Bread, right? Roman meal, whatever. No, it's like a focaccia. It's like a pita. It's this flat little, not a tortilla, but fatter than a tortilla. It rolls down a hill, hits a tent, and knocks the whole tent down. He tells that to the guy. His comrade... <gasps> This is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the man of Israel. God has given to his hand the Midians and all the camps. We're going to die. I love that. Like that whole, a tortilla rolls in and hits the tent. And that's a dream that Gideon's the tortilla, right? He's this flimsy little flatbread. Barley was the worst tasting uh, cheap Scum bread. You do not prefer barley bread. So he's like a, a, a nasty tortilla knocking down a tent. And that's the vision. And Gideon is excited. I, the, I love this next verse. This is verse 15. As soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped. Do you know this is the first time that Gideon, it's mentions... Gideon worshipping. Gideon finally got it. One part of why Gideon finally got it, because he is finally really, really, really going to do something. There's a bunch of times where we feel like God wants to do this, and you might get a whole bunch of information, and you might do research, and you might... Let's be really informed about how we're going to do this thing that God wants us to do. All that's procrastination. Sometimes you just got to do the thing. Um, When we got our sheep for Easter one year, it was totally crazy. And Cindy says, the more we talk about it, the more we're going to talk ourselves out of it. If you think we're supposed to get a sheep, call the guy and go get it. It was the best Easter ever, right? Incredible. Sometimes you just got to do it. You got to act. Enough of these meetings, go, enough research, do it. And so he does it. And it's totally crazy what they do. They get their 300 men. Everybody has a torch, a trumpet, and a jar. And they sneak out around this camp of 130,000 Midianites. This is like um, when you look at like, these giant outdoor music festivals or if you look at when they do the ball drop in New York City and it's just people, 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 it's like that. And 300 guys are not gonna look like much around that. So they try to spread out equally around it and they sneak out at the night and then on Gideon's signal, so the jar, they're gonna have a lit torch, but you can carry a lit torch underneath an upside down jar And the torch will keep burning. It doesn't snuff it out because the jar is big enough and all that. But it doesn't show any light. And so if you break the jar, all of a sudden there's light. So I don't know how they did it. It seems like it would be an awkward thing, but they, they did it. So they break the jars. They blow the trumpets and they say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. We don't know how, we don't know what, but this dude that had this dream and the dude that interpreted it, he knew about Gideon. Because he said, that dream is about Gideon and he's going to destroy all the Midianites. That guy knew something about Gideon. He knew something about Gideon and that he had the power to wipe out the army. And so he probably wasn't the only one, right? These guys, all they could do is sit around and talk to each other. They didn't have their phones. They didn't have internet. So surely the word about Gideon had spread through the whole camp of the Midianites. And they all knew Gideon. Gideon, they all knew that name. So in the middle of the night, there's trumpet blasts all around them in every direction. And there's this shout For Yahweh and for Gideon, the sword of Yahweh and the sword of Gideon, the dudes absolutely freak out. They jump up. They wipe each other out. God works a miracle in addition to them all panicking. And they just start fighting each other. It's dark. It's night. There's torch every direction you see. Well, here's the other awesome thing. So in an army, when you had an army coming, you would have a guy carry a torch for maybe a hundred men. So when you look out there and you see a torch and a torch and a torch and a torch and a torch, torch, they're thinking in their heads, there's a hundred men there. 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 There's 300 of them. There's 300 hundred, right? Which is still... Not nearly many, as many as there are 130,000, but they're everywhere. And all they hear is them shouting. So that's the other thing. Not everybody in a war shouts. You would have guys with torches. You'd have the guy like in the uh, Revolutionary War, the guy with the drum and the guy with the fife. And their job is to communicate. You've got the torch guy. You've got the yelling guy. They're all around us. <gasps> We're surrounded. And they wipe each other out. Verse, this is down in verse 20. The three companies blew the trumpets, broke the jars, they held in their hands the torches, and their right hands the trumpets. They cried out, The sword of the Lord and Gideon. And every man's the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against the whole army. And so Gideon wipes them out. And they fight and they chase him, and they're chasing them all the way back to Midian. And they're chasing them for days. And they're just wiping out as many of them as they can. They're showing the Midianites, we are not serving you anymore. We're not serving your gods. You're not going to be our masters anymore. They stop off at a city. They're like, hey, give us some bread. We're fighting the Midianites. The city's like, you ain't done nothing to the Midianites. We're not giving you any bread. Gideon says, when I come back here, I'm going to kill you all. They go on. They stop at another city. They're proud of this big tower that they have. Gideon says, give us some bread, help us out. We're chasing these guys. They said, we're not helping you. We don't want to get on their bad side. They won't side with either side. They're trying to just play it safe. Gideon says, when I come back, I'm going to tear down that tower. So Gideon keeps going. They wipe out all the Midianites. And then sure enough, Gideon comes back. He's like, hey, we are Israel and you made yourself not a part of Israel when you didn't help us. So we're going to destroy your city. So they destroy that city. They come back down to the other one. They're like, uh, when you, Gideon does this weird little word game. And he's like, hey, now you guys killed some, some kings, some men, right? In a battle. And they were like, yeah. They said, what those guys look like? And they said, they kind of looked like you. He says, those were my brothers. And he kills all them, uses that as an excuse. It's all kind of weird. But, all right, skipping way ahead. So Gideon becomes the ruler. And they all say, great job, Gideon. This is awesome. We want you to be our king. Gideon says, no, 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 no. God should be your king. God should be our king. But if you all want to give me like an earring each, that'd be fine. They're like, yes, we want you to be our king. You won't be the king. Here is an earring for, from each of our families. It adds up to over $800,000 worth of gold in modern numbers, which then was you know, astronomical. Gideon makes an ephod out of it. This nice big robe kind of chest armor thing. And he you know wears it, shows off. That's right, I'm Gideon. I got this ephod. Remember how Gideon was doubting and God didn't correct him from his doubt, but God worked with him and showed off all through there. Gideon was never putting his faith in God. He was putting his faith in those signs of God. He was putting his faith in the evidence of God, not just trusting God. When uh, Thomas, all the apostles see Jesus risen from the dead, except for Thomas. And they're telling Thomas, and he says, unless I'm just like you guys and I see the wounds and I see him, I'm not going to believe. Y'all just believe because you saw him. You're asking me to believe without seeing him. And Jesus taps him on the shoulder. He's like, hey, Thomas, what's up? He says, blessed are you. And, you know, Thomas is awesome. He says, my Savior and my Lord, you did it. It is true he says, you are happy because you see me and you believe. But the people that believe without seeing me are going to be happier. He's not talking about Gideon. He's talking about us, but it applies to Gideon. Gideon was putting his faith in stuff that he saw. Not in the God who is unseen. And so as happens, we see it right now. Uh, too much money shows what's in the guy's heart, right? Too many riches, too much stuff. It doesn't make him evil. They are always evil. It just now they have a budget to show how evil they were. And so poor Gideon makes this ephod, wears it around. He has uh, 70 kids through a whole bunch of wives and servants. It says he has many wives. And everybody forgets about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob Everybody forgets about the God that called Gideon and worked in him. And after Gideon dies, they all worship his ephod. And they pay tribute to it and they praise it. And they fall right back into the whole thing. Then one of those 70 sons says, You know, Israel, it's really not in your best interest to have the 70 sons of Gideon leading you and ruling over you. It'd be better if there was only one of us, if you know what I mean. So they kill them, all of them, 69 of them. Actually, 68. One escapes. And they fall right back into their worship. But isn't it wild? They wanted a king. They wanted Gideon to be their king, and he wouldn't be their king. So they picked one of his kids to be their king. And then the one son that didn't get killed... He is a prophet. And he says, Oh, all of you that wanted to have a king, you should have had God be your king. But because you did this treachery, my one brother that you made king and ruler over all of you is going to break out like a fire and destroy you all. And then later, that all happens. And it's not so that that kid could become king. Then he's doing the right thing, right? He it says he withdraws and he lives out his days, and that one guy becomes king. I'd share all that stuff at the end because in Sunday school we talk about Gideon and how he was faithful and he did the trumpet thing and it was cool. But here he is. He didn't. He passed on to his seventy kids, seventy sons, because they didn't count the daughters, right? They passes on to his seventy sons, his same ideas. That you only believe in what you see. You only believe in evidence. You only believe in questioning God and making him prove himself to you. And so that's what they did, and they all ended up dead. All right, I don't want to end on a downer, but that's the end. Uh, Gideon. So next week... Remember, Judges, oh, it gets more depressing and more bloody. It is the descent of Israel into looking like the world, looking more and more like the world. And if at any point in this, in this sequence of events of Gideon, if he would have you know, done the Ezra thing, done the Nehemiah thing, let's break out the law, let's show how different we are, let's be oddballs, let's be strange... Um, it, it would have totally changed the whole course of the book of Judges, right? And the whole course of history. And I think here we are, right? We're going into this season of Thanksgiving. We're going into this season of Christmas. And there's a lot of opportunities for us to be strange and for us to be different. I got a whole pack of friends. They're all off on Black Friday. And what do they do? They go hike at Audubon Park all day. And they, they, don't, they don't mix into any of the shopping chaos. And they stand out as really different. They really do. Because who else is at Ottoman Park? Nobody. <laughs> There's all kinds of ways for us to be super different. And not just having ham on Thanksgiving instead of turkey, right? Um, God is calling us. He's cheering us on to be weird and to be separate and to, and to stand out and to draw people to Him. And, um, and we, have, we have the freedom and the chance to do it. But we have the freedom to question God and ask for questions too. Just don't make that your religion, right? All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much that you tell the whole story of Gideon, that it's not just a glossed-over uh, glory tale. Thank you that you were kind to him. And you showed him a lot of mercy when he was weak in his faith in a a land full of people weak in their faith. Thank you that you helped him along and you showed him compassion with all of those signs. And Lord, we want to be faithful without seeing a thing. We want to be strong in our faith and strong in our confidence in you. Aside from our feelings, aside from watching you work miracles, Cause you're worth it, Lord, and uh, and we know that if you if you were a God that all of everything depended on miracles, you would just work them all day long. But you're you're better than that, and we praise you for that, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.